please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. Today's meeting is being interpreted into Spanish. Uh, Sam, will you please introduce yourself and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices? Sam or Alejandro? Alejandro, we need you to unmute your mic. Producer, are you able to get through to Alejandro from your side? No. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and start the meeting, but Alejandro, um, try to leave and come back and we will try to make sure that we've got your audio. Welcome to Denver City Council meeting of Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Council members, please rise as you are able and join Councilwoman Sandoval in the Pledge of Allegiance. The United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands Thank you very much. And council members, please join Councilwoman Sandoval as she leads us in the Denver City Council land acknowledgement. The Denver City Council honors and acknowledges that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. We honor elders past, present, and future, and those who have stewarded this land throughout generations. We also recognize that government, academic, and cultural institutions were founded upon and continue to enact exclusions and erasures of indigenous people. May this acknowledgement demonstrate a commitment to working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression and inequities and recognize the current and future contributions of indigenous communities in Denver. Thank you very much. Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Here. Alvitras. Here. Flynn. Here. Gilmore. Here. Hines. Here. Cashman. Here. Lewis. Present. Parody. Here. Romero Campbell. Here. Sandoval. Here. Sawyer. Here. Watson. Here. Madam President. Here. Thirteen members present. Thank you. There are thirteen members present. Council has a quorum. Approval of the minutes. Are there any corrections to the minutes of February twelfth? 
Seeing none, the minutes stand approved. Uh, council announcements, are there any announcements tonight? Councilman Hines. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam President. Um, last week, we read a proclamation for Teen Dating uh, Violence Awareness Month, and um, uh, unfortunately, the speaker was unable to, um, to give a, uh, an acceptance speech, and so I'd like to read it here. Um, the speech is, uh, my name is Emily, and I'm a domestic violence advocate uh, and the Youth Adv Advocacy Specialist at Safe House Denver. We want to thank the Denver City Council for your great work in the community, and specifically, Councilpersons Parody and Hines for their sponsorship of uh, the proclamation announcing February's Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, or TDBAM. Uh, we also want to thank the City of Denver for lighting numerous buildings, orange, in honor of TDBAM last week and this week. Each of those lights represent countless survivors who can safely report abuse and those who cannot safely report. In 2023, 20% of all Colorado domestic violence fatalities were individuals under the age of 26. Uh, we appreciate the city recognizing those who are with us and those who have been taken from us. They are a part of the silent epidemic that continues to plague our society. No one is immune. 1.5 million teens are physically abused by their dating partner each year. This excludes other forms of dating violence. Dating violence traumatizes us all. It's an epidemic that thrives in silence, secret, secrecy, and isolation. It robs uh, folks of their safety, security, and confidence in themselves. Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month is vital to amplify awareness and uplift survivor voices. To the survivors present and listening, we believe you. You shouldn't have to call us, but you always deserve our support. Our 24-hour crisis and information line is available anytime. We are here when you need us. Safe House Denver is proud and grateful to work alongside many community partners like the Rose Andam Center and the Denver Public School System, among many more. Uh, we are grateful to those committed and empowering advocates, interns, and other staff who were dedicated, uh, who are dedicated to helping survivors heal. We are thankful to have amazing volunteers that sit on our board of directors, organize our donations uh, for direct mail appeals, and so much more. Survivors have the support they deserve because the heart of the community is in our mission. Uh, before uh, this uh, individual leaves for the night, I would like to share a quote from one of our former clients. No one ever tells you about all the good things places like this offer. I was told it would be scary and not worth it, but I took a chance because I knew, I knew going back would mean my life ending. I am so thankful for that chance. Thank you again for recognizing survivors tonight by passing this proclamation. In doing so, you support the good things we offer to hundreds of clients Safe House Denver serves annually and to survivors everywhere. You are actively and clearly saying tonight that domestic violence is always unacceptable. And for that, we are so grateful. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, just want to let the public know that the uh, stakeholder group that has been working since August to look at potential amendments to the sidewalk fee that was adopted by voters in uh, November 22 uh, for uh, repairing, installing, replacing sidewalks around the city has issued its recommendations for this council. Uh, Councilman Cashman and I served on that. And the survey is out and we are seeking public input on the recommendations. And the easiest way uh, to remember the URL, because there's a really long one, 
The easiest way is to go to denvergov.org slash sidewalks. And the survey is available along the right side margin. And we invite folks to take that survey. I believe it closes next at the end of next week on the 29th. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilwoman Alvidrez. Thank you, Council President. <clears throat> I just wanted to share that the micro community in District 7 should be opening March 6th and is in need of donations from towels to tweezers to shaving cream. Um, the community has been working really hard to find ways to welcome this, these people. Um, there'll be 60 individual people that will be joining us in District 7. And next Tuesday on the 27th, we'll have a community meeting for District 7 residents to talk about any remaining questions before it opens. So really excited about that. And um, that's all I have. Thank you, Council President. Great, thank you very much. Um, seeing no one else in queue, we are going to go back to our interpreter, um, who is Ruth. Ruth, if you would please introduce yourself and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices. Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. We want to start this a todos. I am Ruth. I'm here with the CLC. And sorry about the tech issues I'm covering for someone today. But um, just as a reminder for anyone who would like to listen in Spanish, we will have the options at the bottom of the screen. You can select your language and you can listen on there. Um, if you are speaking today, we always want to remind you to speak at a conversational pace just to give us time to interpret everything that is being said. Uh, and I will say this in Spanish. Entonces, una vez más, muchas gracias a las personas que están escuchando en español. El día de hoy tenemos interpretación. En la parte posterior de su pantalla van a ver el icono de globo terráqueo. Ahí pueden ver las opciones de inglés y español. Pueden elegir el canal que prefieren. Y si van a participar hoy también, queremos recordarles de hablar a un ritmo cómodo. And I believe that is it. Thank you so much for that. And once again, sorry. Thank you, Ruth. No problem. Uh, there are no presentations today. There are no communications. Uh, there is one proclamation being read this afternoon. Councilman Watson, will you please read Proclamation 24-0201? Thank you, Madam President. Uh, whereas in 1880, a group, of, a group of Denver Black Civic leaders attended the Denver City Council meeting and demanded the Denver Police Department and the Denver Fire Department begin hiring Black officers and firefighters. And whereas on April 15th, 1880, the Denver mayor, Richard Sopris, swore Isaac Brown in as Denver's first black police officer. Officer Brown served on the department, at the department for 10 years. And whereas in 1881, Officer Brown was joined on the, in the department by John C. Bell, followed by I.G. Gilmore, T.T. Bruce, J.M. Williams, and Thomas Riley, and whereas in 1896, Ulysses Brown and his brother Carl were hired as patrolmen. Both proved to be outstanding officers. Ulysses was the founder of the Denver Auto Theft Department and served as the department's first black detective in 1918. And whereas on February 18, 1921, Denver police officer Willie O. Steam became the first black Denver police officer to die in the line of duty, having served the department for over two decades. And whereas with the rise of the Ku Klux Klan in Denver and Colorado politics during the late 1920s and 1930s, the number of black Denver officers declined until the end of World War II. And whereas with the end of World War II, 
and the end of racial segregation in the United States military, the civil rights movement began to take shape. The city of Denver began to hire black officers again. And whereas in the 1950s, the department hired many future black officers who would have trailblazing careers, including Marion Qualls, who would become the first black Denver police detective in the modern era, era. Casey Simpson, who would later become the first black division chief. And whereas in the 1970s, the Black Police Officers Organization was formed to ensure that black officers could form coalitions to ensure that their concerns were being heard by departmental leadership. The group also sponsored tutoring sessions for all Denver police officers to provide them study sessions designed to assist them with passing the necessary tests needed to advance rank within the department. And whereas Carol Hogue, Laura Tinnan, and Ray Beck McCall would become the first black women officers after they successfully sued the city of Denver and the Denver Civil, Civic, Civil Service Commission for racial discrimination in hiring. This would later be referred to as the Hogue Decree. And whereas in the 1990s, Armedia Gordon became the first black female to serve as a Denver Police Division Chief. And whereas on December 13, 2011, Robert C. White was appointed as the first black chief of the Denver Police Department by Denver Mayor Michael Hancock. And whereas on June 24, 2012, Denver Police Officer Selena C. Hollis became the first black woman Denver Police Officer killed in the line of duty. And whereas in 2022, Ron Thomas was appointed by Denver Mayor Mike Hancock, Michael Hancock and Denver Mayor Michael Johnson as a second black chief of the Denver Police Department. Now therefore be it proclaimed by the Council of the City and County of Denver, section one, that the Council of the City and County of Denver wishes to acknowledge and thank Denver's black officers for their many years of protecting and serving the citizens of our community. And section two, that a clerk of the City and County of Denver shall affix the seal of the City and County of Denver to this proclamation and copies be transmitted to Denver's Black Officers Organization, the Blair Caldwell African-American Research Library and the Denver Police Museum. Thank you, Councilman Watson. Your motion to adopt? I move that we adopt um, this proclamation. 24-0201 and that has been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council. We'll start with Councilman Watson. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, first, I want to say thank you so much for all that you have done. We have a chamber filled with uh, black police officers and folks who have been trailblazers here in Denver. We know the importance of our communities seeing in them um, the faces of those who have uh, chosen to serve in Denver police. Many of you here have done not only the work of police officer, but a work of a bridge builder between us and the community. Without your service, without your sacrifice, um, our city would be a less safe place to live for many communities of color. I wanna thank each of you for being here today and it is my great honor during Black History Month to elevate the good work that you do and to applaud you for all the things that you will do this month and every month of the year. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much and thank you for bringing this forward. Um, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. 
Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Alvivas. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gil Aye. Gilmore. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Watson. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 24-0201 has been adopted. Um, Councilman uh, Watson, is there somebody you'd like to bring up to accept? Well, I see Chief Thomas is in the audience. And Chief, anyone else that you believe uh, uh, should have a few words to say, I'll call you both up. Well, thank you, Councilman Watson. Thank you, Council President. Um, I want to continue with a few thank yous. I mean, certainly I want to thank you for sponsoring the proclamation. I just want to thank this entire body for continuing to support, um, you know, African-American history, which I think is American history and certainly Denver history. I want to thank, you know, all of the, you know, the current and, and former members of the, this department for you know, showing up. I mean, I, you know, and for continuing, I think this, this legacy that dates back to 1880, as you mentioned, um, and certainly, I think we, we all look forward to continuing to stand on each other's shoulders and continuing to build and, and, and work forward and continue to make this a great city to, to live and work. So uh, and with that, I'll turn it over to our uh, president of our uh, Denver Black Police Officers Organization. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. On uh, behalf of the BPO, the uh, well, retired Sergeant Carlo Habit, our former uh, BPO president. I am uh, your current BPO president. My name is Ron Pierre, the crash technician with the Denver Police. And it's a great honor and a privilege to be here with you. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for this honor. Good afternoon, Councilman. Nice to see you. Just wanted to take a moment to address this very significant event as we reflect on Denver not only being progressive, but being responsible in its ability to move forward with what's right and what's legitimate. Chief White, the first black police chief in the 165 year history of the Denver Police Department. The appointment of Chief White was one of the many courageous acts by former Mayor Hancock. The other was the equity plan. Uh, Chief White was brought in to address some concerns of nepotism and incestuous relationships in which the mayor felt that we didn't have the ability to be courageous to address some serious needs and some serious concerns of the community. He was different for us. Not only being an outsider, he was bold. He was loud. He was brash, which is code word for uncontrollable. And for that, he was targeted. They tried to address, they tried to attack, rather, his integrity. Yet he was resilient. They tried to address, or rather, attack his character by pointing the finger because they knew it would be no shortage of others willing to vilify him, yet he was resilient. 
So see, we cannot celebrate someone's resiliency without addressing the perhaps difficult path that he and others who were mentioned in this proclamation perhaps had during their appointment to these historic positions as first in this institution that we've already identified as having some systemic disparities and issues. So as we celebrate, especially during this month, and I would hope that it would continue for the rest of the year, the resiliency, and as we honor the celebration, and as we proclaim that these events are significant to us, I would ask that our commitment to ensure that pathways that perhaps these folks had to navigate are cleared for the next group that come ahead. Mm -hmm. So with that, before I left and when I was still the president of the Black Police Officers Organization, I was in conversation with the <clears throat> mayor's office about renaming Cherokee Street after Chief White, our first Black, Afri our first African-American chief in the 165 year history of the Denver Police Department. Uh, we felt that it would be a significant and appropriate, um, I guess, revelation to show that. I would ask that those conversations be revisited if they could be. Also, we were in conversations about having uh, Denver native and famed African-American sculpture, Ed Dwight, create a bust of Chief White to be placed in the police administration building, also to symbolize his historic appointment to the police department and to the citizens of Denver. So as we celebrate this event, and thank you so very much for this, I certainly would like to thank Mike Hess, Denver Police Museum, who always make us look much better than we are, thank you. I would like to thank the Denver Black Police Officers Organization for continuing on with the template and the foundation that they had. I would like to thank city council for ensuring that this city uh, make good on its promise of equity and fairness mm -hmm. for all. But as we celebrate this event, I would ask that um, we entertain a more significant um, award uh, for Chief White in this very historic event. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I'm sure Councilman Watson will meet you in the hallway for a photo. Um, Madam Secretary, please read the bills for introduction. From the Business, Arts, Workforce, and Aviation Services Committee 24-0126, a bill approving a proposed agreement between the City and County of Denver and Regional Transportation District, RTD, to provide reduced rate EcoPass options for all concessionaire employees at Denver International Airport. From the Finance and Governance Committee 24-0102, a bill for an ordinance 
establishing a new fund in the grant and other money projects series for the capital improvement claims settlement program. From the land use transportation and infrastructure committee 24-0044, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 548 South Perry Street in Westwood. 24-0088, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 4675 East Isle of Avenue in University Hills. 24-0091, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 3446 South Patton Way in Harvey Park South. 24-0133, a bill for an ordinance vacating a portion of right-of-way adjacent to 4889 South Quebec Street without reservations. From the Safety, Housing, Education, and Homelessness Committee, 24-0124, a bill for an ordinance approving a proposed amendatory agreement between the City and County of Denver and the Housing Authority of the City and County of Denver, Colorado, to extend the term and revise the scope of work and other provisions of the agreement. Thank you very much. Um, council members, this is your last opportunity to call it an item. Councilwoman Sandoval, will you make the motions tonight? Yes, Council President. Great, I'll do a recap under resolutions. Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez has called out resolution 73 for postponement. This item has also been called out by Councilwoman Lewis for questions and comments. Councilwoman Sawyer has called out resolution 135 for a vote. Councilwoman Alvidrez has called out resolution 127 for questions and comments. And council members Alvidrez and Lewis have called out resolution 116 for questions and comments. Uh, Councilwoman Lewis has called out in a block resolutions uh, 199 and 200 for questions and comments. Under bills for introduction, Councilwoman Alvidrez and Lewis have called out bill uh, 126 for questions and comments. Under bills for final consideration, no items have been called out and under pending, no items have been called out. Madam Secretary, will you put the first item on our screens? This is resolution regarding a uh, amendment agreement between LAZ Parking and uh, the City of Denver. Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez, what would you like for us to do with resolution 24-0073? Thank you, Council President. Pursuant to Council Rule 3.7, I'm calling out this resolution to postpone consideration for one week. Thank you very much. Councilwoman Lewis. I'll hold my questions until that. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. No motions required. Resolution 24-0073 has been postponed. Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. Um, this is 135, a resolution set a public hearing. Councilwoman Sawyer, uh, will you please put resolution 24-0135 on the floor for adoption? I move that Council Resolution 24-0135 be adopted. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Uh, we'll do comments first, and we'll start with Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks. Um, I'm asking all of my uh, fellow council members to vote no on this so that there can be um, so that some some issues can be ironed out and it can be rescheduled. And just to clarify, they've asked for us to vote. That's this right. Down, right. Dura has okay. Dura and the property owner have asked for us to vote this down. That's okay, right. mm -hmm. perfect. Thank you so much. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call, please, on resolution 24-0135. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Alvidrez? Aye. Flynn? Nay. Gilmore? Nay. Hines? No. Cashman? No. Lewis? Abstain. Parody? No. Romero Campbell? Nay.
Sandoval? No. Sawyer? No. Watson? Nay, and I was gonna say before um, we close the vote, yeah. I think there, a clarification on, yeah. the, I can see council members' fingers going up. I think <laughs> they said- Yes, I, I, yeah. I thought we were voting yes to postpone it, but we're just voting it down. We're Is voting that correct? it down. Okay, so, so I'll change nay my for vote Watson. to nay. Sorry. And nay for myself as well. Okay. Uh, Madam President. Nay. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. <laughs> 11 nays, one aye. I was raising my hand, Council President. For a question, I'm sorry, we did not get you in queue in time. Um, it was for the vote, sorry. Did you need to change your vote? Yes, please. Can you call her again, um, Madam Secretary? Sure, Gonzalez Gutierrez? Nay. There we go. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 12 nays. Thank you very much. Uh, 12 nays, uh, resolution, excuse me, 24-0135 has failed. Um, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. It's a resolution 24-0127, and this is an amendment, um, excuse me, concerning reimbursement for the purchase of RTD Eco Passes. Um, Councilwoman Alvidrez, go ahead with your questions on resolution 24-0127. Thank you, Council President. My question has already been answered. Great, thank you for that. Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. That's resolution 24-116. Um, Grant agreement between the city and uh, CDOT. Councilwoman Alvidrez, go ahead with your questions on uh, or comments on resolution 116. Thank you, I just wanted to ask a little bit more about that. Is someone here to explain? Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Madam Chair, City Council, Nicholas Williams, Department of Transportation Infrastructure. Thank you, Nick. Um, I was just wondering exactly what um, this is about. It appears that we have a grant through CDOT to monitor people's driving through their Bluetooth usage. And I'm just wondering if there is like what the data collection is on that and what the purpose of, of that is. Yep, absolutely. And so really what these are, what this grant is, it's as you said, it's through uh, from CDOT via Dr. Cog uh, on here. And really what it is, is it collects uh, anonymized, and I'll talk a little bit more about how it's anonymized, anonymized Bluetooth data from folks that are traveling on the roads. And that allows us to see how traffic is flowing, basically. Now, we don't provide this. None of this data is ever public facing. This is all internal facing. But really, if you think about the, the traffic data you see on Google Maps, you know, the red, yellow, green on there, that's how they're collecting that. And so we're doing something similar that allows us uh, in our traffic management center to see how is traffic flowing, allows us to identify if there's issues uh, with this. Um, personally, identify, personally identifiable information certainly is a concern on this and, and, and really wanna um, reassure folks that how this masks that, we don't have any access to that. So if your Bluetooth was picked up by this, uh, it goes to this device, that device itself would then scramble the your actual like MAC address, IP address of your phone uh, on it. And so we then use scrambled data uh, to, to do this. So we never have access to personally identifiable information on that. Ultimately, with the expansion of this program, what we're gonna be able to do beyond just that kind of traffic analysis is really do uh, better data analysis of as we're doing traffic 
uh, calming, different safety projects to allow us to see before and after data with the expectation we should be seeing speeds going down in these areas. And this allows us to see is what we put in actually effective. Yeah. Will this also monitor people that are walking or riding their bikes? How does it determine what Bluetooth data it's gathering? I may ask uh, my, my <laughs> colleague, David DiGiacomo, to come up for that one. Good afternoon, uh, David DiGiacomo, uh, Engineering Manager and uh, of the uh, Valley Transportation Operations. Um, basically, if you're, if you're, you'll pick up Bluetooth devices, but you, you have to check in between two, two different places within a minute or two. So if you're walking, it's probably, you're not probably going to be fast enough to actually get a log multiple links inside that, that those zones. And most of, these, most of these devices are on our high energy networks, our, our, our primary arterial. So neighborhood streets, it's not going to be on your, uh, your neighborhood block, I guess. And is the unscrambled data somewhere on our systems or who has that, just the IT company? Who's collecting that data? It, it, is, it is, a, is a hashed or a scrambled data set that if you, I guess if NSA had enough horsepower on, they'd probably back it out, but most people it's not gonna be uh, in the sheet. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Councilman Lewis, did you have any questions? Yeah, I have, a, I have a couple of them. I wanted to know the overall scope of this project and you kind of answered it a bit. Um, responding to um, <clears throat> the councilwoman, I also had a question regarding um, users. Do do you get permission from those users to be able to take that data, or is it just automatically tapped into through via Bluetooth? Correct, councilwoman. Just automatically uh, collected on there. And just to clarify on on how that data is scrambled, it is scrambled at the device itself that collects that. And so at no point um, between when that device emits the Bluetooth data and it gets after it gets to that, it's completely scrambled on there. And so we would not, there's no way we could tell who that was. Mm -hmm. Even if that data was subpoenaed, all we could provide would be that scrambled data that you really couldn't track to anyone else. So there's no mechanism in which you all could um, provide users the opportunity to opt in or opt out? It's just an automatic? Correct, not at this time. Okay. Yeah. Is there, um, is this for internal agency use only or does it have a public facing application? Internal use only, no public facing application on this. It really is just for us to currently be able to see is traffic flowing like we think it should be flowing or is there an accident somewhere, something else occurring on there that would be able to address us in our kind of what we call our mission control style uh, transportation uh, management center. Um, uh, on there. And so that's basically what it's used. And ultimately, expansion of this will be able to get collect better data and be able to see the effectiveness of our traffic calming measures uh, on there. Is it bringing speed down like we want it to? Got it. Oh, so that's the ultimate objective is to fig figure Correct. out Correct. Correct. We think this expansion will allow that. Understood. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's it. Great. Thank you. Seeing no one else in queue. Uh, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screen. This is resolution 199, uh, approving uh, a, excuse me, a liability claim. Uh, Councilwoman Lewis, go ahead with your questions or comments on resolutions 199 and 200 in a block. Okay, yeah. Um, so same thing uh, with these as normal. Um, after consistent feedback from my constituents, I see it as my responsibility to ensure that the public is aware of every tax dollar being approved. Um, as an expenditure and payment of funds for a settlement for the city and county of Denver. Um, my office is continuing to track every dollar by department as a running total. Um, with the approval of 240199 and 240200, the city will approve 36,000 to a settlement 
to settle a case brought against the Denver Police Department and then 19,000 to settle a case brought against the Denver Police Department again, um, bringing the 2024 total of taxpayer dollars and city settlements to $2,420,000. I want it to be clear to everyone watching that we are paying attention, that we are watching out for how the city spends our money and that we are making decisions for um, the future with this knowledge. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else, Councilmember Parity. Popped right in there. Um, yeah, I just want to thank my colleague for calling these items out. And I, I want to piggyback on that and say to members of the public that um, by the time City Council um, is approving these settlements, um, we have someone who um, was injured um, by public servants who um, has come to an agreement, or I, I understand that you know a settlement doesn't reflect the merits of the case necessarily, but um, who had a claim, um, brought it to court, and um, and and has reached a resolution of those claims. And so um, I I think our job in in council is to pay a lot of attention to um, points in the process where we can prevent these kinds of incidents from occurring in the first place. Um, there are a number of us that are working really hard on that in different capacities. Um, but at the point when we're approving settlements, um, the that has already occurred and we have someone who's in front of us with a claim who has come to a resolution of that through their private council. Um, so I think that's, um, it deserves scrutiny, um, but but the real work of council, I think, happens much earlier in the process. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. It says resolution, I'm sorry, a bill 24-0126, uh, an agreement between the City of Denver and RTD. Councilwoman Alvidres, go ahead with your questions or comments. I did get my question answered, Council Great. President. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilwoman Lewis. Just, just one question. This one was specifically about the concessionaires. Um, but I was wondering if all airport employees actually have access to eco passes and if there's a gap there. If you could introduce yourself when you come up. Good afternoon, council members. My name is Brandon Sowers, Senior Director of Concessions at Denver National Airport. Um, concessionaires have access to RTD um, through this. Uh, Den has it through our uh, agreement with RTD as well. All other uh, entities have their own rights to purchase RTD um, through their own companies. I'm happy to get back to you with more information on what companies do have um, RTD passes, but I don't have that today. I'd actually be more interested in the companies that don't have access to the RTD passes, the eco passes. So they're available for all entities at the airport to purchase. The companies have to purchase them themselves through RTD. Um, Ultimately, I'd like to know of the employees that are attached to the airport, do the majority of the folks have access to eco passes or is there a gap for some employees that work out at the airport who won't have access either because they're on demand or they're demand workers, et cetera, et cetera. Like what's that group of folks who may not have access? I don't have that answer today prepared for you, but let me okay. get back to you. Thank on you. That okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank Seeing you. no one else in queue, that concludes the items to be called out. All bills for introduction are ordered published. Council members, remember this is a consent or a block vote. You'll need to vote aye. Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put the resolutions for adoption and the bills on final consideration for final passage on the floor? I move that the resolutions be adopted and bills on final consideration be placed upon final consideration and do pass in a block for the following items. Um, 0125, 0127, 0128, 0139, 0115, 0117, 0118, 0120, 0136, 
Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Alvitras. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gilmore. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Uh, Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Watson. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Resolutions have been adopted and the bills have been placed upon final consideration and do pass. Tonight there'll be um, three required public hearings. Uh, one on Council Bill 24-0011, changing the zoning classification for 2360 North Cherry Creek in North Park Hill. No, sorry, Cherry Street in North Park Hill. That didn't make sense. Um, a required public hearing on Council Bill 24-0012, changing the zoning classification for 653 North Marion Street in Country Club, and a required public hearing on Bill 23-1569, changing the zoning classification for multiple properties in the city and county of Denver. Anyone wishing to speak on any of these matters should go online um, to sign up during the recess of council. There are no objections. We will recess until 5.30 before reconvening our regular meeting. Council provides a half hour general public comment session to hear from the city uh, public on city matters, except for one scheduled for a legally required hearing. The general public comment session begins at five o'clock. Council will now reconvene from our early session. There is no unfinished business. There are no proclamations being read this evening. We have three public hearings tonight. Um, as a reminder, council members online, please turn on your video during votes. For those participating in person, when called upon, please come to the podium. On the monitor on the wall, you'll see your time counting down. For those participating virtually, when called upon, please wait until our host promotes you to speaker. When you are promoted, turn on your camera if you have one and your microphone. All speakers should begin their remarks by telling council your name and city of residence, and if you feel comfortable doing so, your home address. If you've signed up to answer questions only, please state your name and that you're available for questions. Speakers will have three minutes. There is no yielding of time. If translation is needed, you'll be given an additional three minutes to have your comments interpreted. Um, speakers must stay on the topic of the hearing and direct your comments to council as a whole. Please refrain from profane or obscene speech and refrain from individual or personal attacks. Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put Bill 24-0011 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 24-0111 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill um, 11 is open. May we have the staff report? Good evening, Council. My name is Will Prince with Community Planning Development. I'll be uh, providing the staff report for 2360 North Cherry Street. The request from USUC to USUC1. Uh, I will be going covering the request, location and context, process, and review criteria. 
Uh, this property is a single unit residential property at, and it's 4,460 square feet. And the proposal again is to rezone from urban single unit C to urban single unit C1 to allow an ADU. Uh, this zone district allows the urban house and accessory dwelling unit. There is a minimum lot size of 5,500 square feet, but according to Denver zoning code, section 12.10.3, uh, this allows construction of primary dwelling units and detached accessory dwelling units that do not meet the minimum lot size requirements. Continuing on to location and context, this is located in District 9 with Councilmember Watson in the North Park Hill neighborhood. And this property again is USUC, which is the majority of the neighborhood, uh, with USMX, UMS 2X to the south, and one uh, existing USUC 1 district to the uh, Southwest. As for existing uh, land use, this property is single unit residential, which is the majority of the neighborhood with some two and multi-unit nearby, as well as the commercial and open space to the south. Here you can see the subject property on the right and some nearby context of similar size scale properties of a residential use nearby. Continuing on to the process, uh, this was uh, received its informational notice in October, was heard by the planning board on January 3rd, was recommended uh, for approval, uh, was heard by this committee as consent in January, and today, uh, February 20th, is having its public hearing. There have been two comments by the same individual in opposition, and no are no comments to date. As for the re review criteria, uh, we'll review each of the re review criteria individually. Uh, starting with consistency with adopted plans, of course, comprehensive plan 2040, Blueprint Denver, and the Park Hill neighborhood plan. For comprehensive plan 2040, it meets the equity goal of creating a greater mix of housing options in every neighborhood. It also meets the climate goal to promote infill development where infrastructure and services are already in place. Continue to Blueprint Denver. Uh, the future neighborhood context is urban, so that does not change from its current Zone district, this allows small units and mixed units embedded in one and two unit residential areas, a high area degree of walkability. As for future place, this is identified as low residential where we see predominantly single and two unit uses and accessory dwelling units are appropriate. Uh, as for future growth, it identified all other areas of the city. We anticipate 10% of jobs and 20% of housing. And lastly, from Blueprint Denver, there's a direct call out for ADUs through a diversity housing choice through expansion of dwelling units throughout all residential areas. And lastly, from the Park Hill neighborhood plan, um, does not call out ADUs, but does uh, recommend to create a, and maintain a mix of housing types and sizes uh, for all for all Denverites. Uh, continuing on to the remaining review criteria, uh, this will meet the uniformity of district regulations by implementing the zone district building form use design and regulations. We'll further public health, safety and welfare by implementing our adopted plans and provide additional housing unit. As for justifying circumstance, uh, this is uh, a city adopted plan, Blueprint Denver in particular. And lastly, this rezoning will uh, meet consistency with neighborhood context, zone district purpose and intent by implementing USUC1. So based on the staff report and the information provided this evening, uh, CPD recommends approval that all review criteria have been met. Uh, available for further questions and the applicant is available here as well.
Thank you very much. We have one person signed up to speak this evening and they are joining us on Zoom, Jesse Paris. Jesse, when you're ready, go ahead. Yes, good evening members of council, those watching at home. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris, and I represent the Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the East Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhance, and the Revolutionary Agenda. And I reside in Chantel Lewis's district of District 8 at Still, the Roach, Bedbug, and Mice-Infested Fusion Studios. Um, as usual, I support the ADUs. As I publicly stated over the years, I'm in full support of ADUs. The biggest concern that I and other constituents have is that these ADUs are being used as short-term rentals. And we still have not forgotten the fact that you did not allow a Black occupant to get an ADU for his aging mother last year or year before last. And there has not been an update or anything on that. I believe that was in District 1. So this is District 9. District 9 has been allowing for ADUs for at least two years now. So I have no issue with that. My concern is uh, what are these um, letters of opposition? What was that about? If you could tell me what that is, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, I'm glad to see that y'all are going to update or revision the criteria which that you use to approve of these views and these rezonings. So that is a step in the right direction. So if somebody could please answer those questions, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. That concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council on bill 24-0011, Councilman Watson? Uh, thank you, council president. Um, my question is the, the owner, is, is the owner of the property here? Sir, if you if you can come up to the yes, come on yeah. up to the podium. Just have one quick question for you. And if you like, sir, if you don't mind introducing yourself. Yes, sir. My name is Charles Newcomb, and I'm uh, owner and resident of the, along with my wife in the back, Leanna Newcomb. And Charles, I know that um, I looked through the public comments and kind of the staff report. Um, there are two comments from um, a neighbor that lives pretty near your property. Um, curious as to the outreach and discussions with um, that um, individual, and it's not that it's a requirement within this process, but it's kind of curious, has there been any discussions with that? Um, per the guidance from the city, um, we did provide information that we were doing this, and we mm -hmm. gave them information now to provide comments but we did not do specific outreach knowing that they were in opposition to the project yeah. and that their opposition was pretty characteristic of most opposition to ADUs in terms of increased crime rates, uh, increased pressure on parking, reduced property values, et cetera, et cetera, which in the early January meeting were addressed beautifully, I thought, by the council. It was incredible. It was moving um, how the council planning department just addressed each of these these concerns so we didn't feel it was either appropriate or probably productive to confront them instead we thought it was better to let them take the public path of public comment and make their case heard 
and they also tried to present in early January, um, unsuccessfully, unfortunately, but we knew that they had the comments. Um, but again, all of those comments, which are pretty characteristic of anyone who had a complaint about an ADU rezoning application, um, were all addressed by the council beautifully and, and such, such that I had to record it because it was, it was like so antithetical the way the country's going right now. It was like about unity and about inclusivity. It was just wonderful. It was so encouraging to see uh, government in action that way. So we did not confront them. We didn't have a discussion. And, and thank you so much for that. And, and I should have been a little more precise. I, I should have asked overarching what was the communications with the neighbors oh. nearby. And you've answered the question. So I think that is um, perfectly um, the way you spoke to it is is the, um, the, the, the way that that encouragement from CPD would have been, and I think it was um, correct. So I just wanted to actually, from community planning and development, thank you so much, sir. Um, I wanna ask concerning the outreaches beyond um, for the folks within the uh, 200 radius, um, what, what was that uh, outreach and how did that, what communication was sent out to neighbors officially from the city? So through the city, um, so of course the standard um, yard sign, of course, as yep. well as the postcards that were sent for both planning board notification and city council. Um, so the standard process was used for this application. That's perfect. I mean, I, I've looked through this, it came through um, to, to Ludi, it's, it's, it's before us. It's an ADU, um, the uh, five criteria um, from my reading of it and from the steps taken um, have been met. So I appreciate it, you uh, presenting and I appreciate the, uh, the, the owner um, answering my one question. Uh, thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much, Councilwoman Lewis. Hi, thank you so much. I <clears throat> just have one question from the owner based on the opposition that we received um, in, in one of the communications at least that we received on council is that this property was actually already being rented. Um, is there any truth or validity to that? Sir, can you come back up real quick? Councilwoman Lewis, can you repeat the question? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> can you, would you mind restating yeah, so I, I can hear it again? Yeah, I got you, sure. Um, in some of the documents that we received um, in terms of the opposition, um, one of your, uh, the folks who provided us that opposition said that this property was actually already being rented is that correct, that it's already operating as an ADU? It, was, it, it is true that last year, before we understood the process and all the rules, that we had somebody in there between January and April. Mm -hmm. And then when we learned that you guys are in violation of the rules, we immediately ejected them and enrolled in the process to do the right thing. Uh -huh. And the city is actually, I mean, I, I was like, do we pay a fine? What do we do? And, and, um, and the inspector was like, that's not us. Our, the objective of the city is to get you on track, man. Mm -hmm. It's not to punish you. If you can get on track and follow the rules and go through the process, then we'll inspect it and we'll permit it. Um, but you got to rezone it first. So that's the first step of us trying to do the right thing. Understood. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. This question is actually for you, if that's all right. Is that common um, that people maybe start these processes before they actually know what the process is? Uh, there have been have some occasions um, where they've had one pre-existing, but it was maybe grandfathered in or things mm -hmm. like that, and they're not zoned for it. So either through neighborhood rezonings or individual, um, we do try to correct it in that sense. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I don't much. know how often, but it does happen. That's fine. I was just curious. Thank you. Thanks so much. And seeing no one else in queue, the 
public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on uh, Council Bill 24-0011. Start with Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Council President. I think I did my two questions and a comment already, but I'll restate kind of my, my thoughts. Um, I know within uh, the East Area Plan, um, the idea the, of ADUs as a use is, is within the plan. Uh, I know that we have not to date um, within District 9 um, um, uh, turned down an, an ADU. I am a strong opponent of the density, um, and I think this is uh, this development, um, this ADU meets the five criteria. I think the outreach um, that was done um, was uh, sufficient to receive uh, community input as well as the RNO input. And so I um, encourage uh, my fellow council members to support this ADU. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. Just wanted to, um, oftentimes we have a public speaker whose questions doesn't don't get answered. And so I just wanna go on the record and say yes. Several years ago, we did have an accessory dwelling unit in Council District 9 um, by a man who was denied, but it wasn't denied by the zoning, it was denied by the Board of Adjustment and that was um, fixed and that man actually built an accessory dwelling unit and I believe his mom is living there. Um, so just wanted to address the comment that was, um, address the question that was asked during the, the public comment session and also just wanna support accessory dwelling units and to the applicant and to the owner. Thank you for stating um, what the opposition was. Oftentimes we do hear about density, we hear about crime, we hear about things when I think I believe that accessory dwelling units are just providing a way to have gentle density in our neighborhoods and also be able to um, live and uh, age in place so I do support this as well. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, uh, Madam Secretary, roll call please on Bill 2411. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Alvitras. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gilmore. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 24-11 has passed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put Council Bill 24-12 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 12 be moved and be considered for final passage. Placed upon final consideration. Placed upon final consideration. Sorry, I lost my place. In That's okay. Be, be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Perfect. And uh, that has been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 24-0012 is open. Uh, may we have the staff report? Yeah, we'll be presenting on behalf of my colleague, Rob Higg, who will not be present tonight, but uh, we'll be presenting 653 North Marion Street, case number 2023-I-188. Uh, Another request from uh, urban single unit C to urban single unit C1. And we'll recover their, their requests, location, context, process, and finally the review criteria. Uh, so this is a single unit residence of, on a lot of 4,690 square feet. Again, the request is to rezone from USUC to USUC1, allowing urban house and accessory dwelling unit. Uh, the minimum lot size is 5,500 square feet. And again, this property 
Um, it was below the minimal lot size, but according to Denver Zoning Code Section 12.10.3, uh, these are permitted. Uh, continuing on to lo location and context, this is located in Council District 5 with Council Member Sawyer in the Country Club neighborhood. Uh, and this property is uh, surrounded by USUC uh, and as, as neighboring to USUB1 uh, zone districts, as well as some UMX to the south, um, but again, largely uh, USUC-related zone districts. As for the existing land use, it is single-unit residential, uh, which is the majority of the neighborhood with a mix of two-unit and multi-unit scattered throughout, as well as commercial, especially around 6th Avenue. Here you can see the subject property to the right and uh, surrounding street view of that scale, about a two, two and a half story uh, structures nearby. As for the process, this was also, uh, this received its informational notice in November, uh, was heard by the planning board on January 3rd, received unanimous recommendation of approval, was on the consent agenda in January, and again, uh, here tonight for city council public hearing on February 20th. Uh, this. Uh, application received 11 comments in opposition with concerns to the historic district, uh, parking, and uh, additional density. There were no RNO comments to date. Continuing on to the review criteria, I will review each individual criteria as it applies to this property. Uh, starting with consistency with adopted plans, conference and plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver applicable for this site. And it meets the equity goal of creating a greater mix of housing options in every neighborhood and the climate goal to promote infill development where infrastructure is already in place. Uh, continue on with Blueprint Denver. Uh, this uh, is the urban neighborhood context, which means it's existing context, um, where primarily one and two unit residential areas, as well as standard block patterns. Uh, future place type, this is identified as low residential, where we have single and two unit uses and accessory dwelling units are appropriate. And for future growth areas, it's identified as all other areas of the city, where we anticipate 10% of job growth and 20% of housing growth. And lastly, Blueprint Denver calls out uh, the opportunity for accessory dwelling units uh, citywide through all residential areas. And moving on to the remaining review criteria, this will meet the uniformity district regulations by applying the zone district building form use and design regulations for further public health safety and welfare by implementing our adopted plans and provide additional housing unit. As for justifying circumstance, this again is the adopted plans with Blueprint Denver in particular. And uh, this will meet the consistency neighborhood context zone district purpose and intent by implementing the USUC1 zone district. <clears throat> as for the information provided this evening, as well as in the staff report, uh, CPD recommends approval based that all review criteria have been met available for further questions, and I believe the applicant is present in chambers, um, but if not, also available as well. Thank Great. You. Thank you very much. We have two individuals signed up to speak this evening. Um, we will start in chambers with uh, Fred Glick. Good evening, and thank you, members of council. Uh, my name is Fred Glick. I live in the Clayton neighborhood of Denver, 3850 North York, a proud resident of District 9. Uh, I mentioned also that I'm a member, of, I'm the vice chair of the Denver Planning Board, and I want to mention that to make clear that I'm here today in a personal capacity. I'm not speaking for the board, on behalf of the board, on behalf of any of the other members of the board. Um, as detailed in the staff report and in the presentation, 
this application very clearly meets the criteria. Blueprint is very clear about the appropriateness of ADUs in neighborhoods throughout Denver. And so I'm not here to speak to the technical aspects of this application. Uh, I'm really here to speak about the comments you've received on this application. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these comments touch on themes that are not unusual in rezonings, issues of property values, although it is a novel argument made in one of these comments that rather than ADUs dragging the neighborhood down, ADU properties, properties with ADUs will be more valuable and thus reduce the value of neighboring properties in sort of a, a zero sum uh, analysis of how real estate works, which is something I've never heard before. Um, and so, but while it might be easy for us to just acknowledge the receipt of these comments and, and quietly move on, I think the tone and content of these comments was so striking. And I think it's important for us to proactively answer them um, and not simply accept them in silence. Renters are not less deserving of living in any of our neighborhoods. I would guess that many of you have at one time in your life been renters, may still be renters. I know I have rented in my past. I don't think that makes somebody morally less than somebody who owns a house or is privileged to have that economic, the economic ability to own a house or had the good fortune to purchase a house 40 or 50 years ago when the cost relative to income was significantly different. Renters are not more likely to be sex offenders. Renters are not more likely to be drug traffickers or drug users than homeowners. And these are all things that were alleged by neighbors in responding to this application. And I think it's important that we stand up and say, no, this is not true. This is not so. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is joining us on Zoom, Jesse Paris. Yes, good evening, members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris, and I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the East Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced, and the Revolutionary Agenda. And I reside in District 8, in Chantel Lewis's District of District 8 at the Roach, Bedbug, and Mice-Infested Fusion Studios. Once again, I'm in favor of ADUs. Again, the question comes up, are these being used as short-term rentals? Also, the previous speaker had asked my question. Uh, I was concerned about the letters of opposition, the 11 uh, people that were in opposition of this ADU. I wanted some more uh, clarity on that. Um, the previous speaker did a good job of listing out some of the reasons, but I really wanted to know all of the reasons why um, those in the country club country club neighborhood were so against this ADU. So if someone could please answer that question, I would greatly appreciate it. And I also appreciate y'all acknowledging my questions and actually taking the effort and willingness to answer them. That is much appreciated and not just myself, but the other constituents definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council? 
On Bill 24-0012, we've got Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Senator President. Um, can, Tony, can you, Will, sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you, <laughs> I apologize. Will, can you please um, just walk me through ADUs in historic areas? And I know that CPD is looking at the ADU regulations in historic areas or landmark is. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? Uh, the latter point, uh, our landmark team is working to update guidelines related to ADUs, yeah. so uh -huh. that's an ongoing process. But as for uh, ADUs and landmark districts, it would go through the Landmark Preservation Commission, just as if it were any construction or renovation. And so they would look at materials, um, the form, uh, anything related to the landmark re requirements and guidelines, and would go through the Landmark Preservation Commission for approval or denial, it goes through the same process that would for any renovation project. Um, and so it will have that extra layer of approval uh, to make sure that it fits within the context of the district and is appropriate for the surrounding context. Okay, so as a policy decision, community planning and development is supportive of building accessory dwelling units even in historic districts. Yes, okay. and there are even some districts that are already historic districts that also have uh, neighborhood-wide ADUs of zone districts. Yeah, I mean, and I will say it like in Montclair, for example, we have a historic district and some of the most beautiful um, examples of accessory dwelling units exist there. So um, that's a great point. Um, I think that's it for me for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Madam President. Thank you. Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. Um, can you talk to, can you answer a question on this type of zone lot? What's the maximum square footage of the accessory dwelling unit that could be built? So since it is less than 7,000 square feet, the uh, maximum square footage is 860 square feet, 864 square feet for the ADU. For the ADU. And then is there a parking required? There's just lots of comments about parking and cars. And just for the record, um, what is the... What are the requirements when it comes to building an accessory dwelling unit and cars and garages and parking? Uh, so the, the ADU does not require any vehicle parking requirements uh, with that. So it's not required as part of the zoning. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on bill 24-0012. We'll start with Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Madam President. Um, as you guys can see, there are 11 uh, comments against this accessory dwelling unit um, proposal. The, the concerns range from everything from the fact that it is a historic district to parking um, and everything in between. Um, I think the most concerning comment I saw in there, um, maybe not the most concerning, but one of the comments that, that jumped out at me um, was a comment that this is a rental property. So can you, I guess, we're already done with questions. We don't need to reopen the hearing. I will say um, we talked about this a lot, especially earlier today. Um, in Denver right now, who knows what will happen with the state in the future, but right now you cannot build an accessory dwelling unit unless you are an owner occupant of the land. Um, I want to be very clear that Accessory dwelling units are a two-step process. The first step is the zoning, and that's what city council is talking about here tonight. The second step is the actual 
development review process where community planning and development takes a look at the land and takes a look at the site plan um, and then requires the applicant to make changes based on um, the, the guidelines that exist within both the historic district guidelines and within our ADU guidelines. So this is the first step in a two-step process. Um, so I understand a lot of the comments and concerns, um, but know for residents who might be watching at home that, that those comments and concerns are addressed in step two of the process um, when it has to go through historic review and when it has to go through site plan review um, within community planning and development in order to be built. And on top of that, if the resident is not an occupant owner of the land, they will not receive a permit to build that accessory dwelling unit right now. That might all change based on the state legislation that is out there, um, but it has not changed yet. And so as of this moment, that is correct. Um, I understand change is difficult for people, um, but I also just wanna say as council members, we are required by law to look at five criteria and only five criteria. And those criteria do not take into account things like parking, things like traffic. Um, they take into account the things that we just talked about in the staff presentation, um, consistency with adopted plans and justifying circumstances and all of those different things. So this application clearly meets the five zoning criteria that are required to allow this rezoning. Does this application meet the second part of this test? I don't know. And that is not a city council question. That is for community planning and development to make that determination. Um, but, and I understand that there are concerns and I understand why there are concerns. Um, but as of right now, this application fits the five criteria that we are required to vote on as council members. And so therefore I will be supporting it tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilman Hines. Uh, thank you, Council President. I agree with uh, uh, Councilmember Sawyer that this meets the five criteria. Uh, this used to be a district I or a neighborhood I represented until July 17th. Um, and I, and I, I, so I did want to just chat a little bit, go further than, um, than the five criteria. And, and really we don't, we can only base our decision based on the five criteria, but, uh, but I want to talk about parking and traffic. Uh, this is basically an extension of Mr. Glick's uh, comment. So thank you for uh, for starting the conversation. I want to go a little bit further. Um, parking and traffic, we hear that all the time. Um, that's the benefit of living in Country Club is that you live so near the city center. You live so near Cherry Creek. Uh, there, um, The businesses in Cherry Creek are having such a hard time finding uh, workers who can work there because uh, mass transit uh, doesn't go there uh, easily, and uh, so people must have cars uh, to uh, predominantly to to work in Cherry Creek. Uh, but someone who can live in this uh, in this uh, in the Country Club neighborhood who can't afford a home uh, because they're working in Cherry Creek, maybe they could rent an ADU. And so, uh, with parking and traffic, that's part of the advantage of living in the city center is that you might not need a car at all. The west side of uh, of District 10, more than a third of households don't need cars at all. But again, not one of the five criteria. Um, I also con consistently heard about property um, uh, property rights and views, as in 
uh, someone builds an ADU, they might be able to look in my yard. Um, and that's an age-old concern where uh, we talk about um, I should have the right to build on my property as I, as I see fit. But I don't want my neighbor to have that same uh, property right. So I just encourage people, again, this is not part of the five criteria, but I would encourage people to think about um, if this were their property, would they feel that they had the right to, uh, to build an ADU? Um, I, I also want to touch on uh, the, uh, the, the point that was already made about how um, it is in a historic district, and that means that there are additional reviews. That means that this particular uh, auxiliary dwelling unit, this is just a zoning change, so nothing may happen up from this. Um, but uh, but should someone build an ADU, that additional landmark, I'm looking at the camera, sorry, uh, the additional landmark um, uh, step will make sure that it looks uh, befitting the neighborhood. And so that's even more than what a lot of neighborhoods have uh, as far as, uh, you know, con uh, control or um, guidance on accessory dwelling units. Um, two other things that I wanted to say Density means different things in, in different areas of the city. Uh, downtown, that means 60-story buildings, 50-story buildings. Golden Triangle, that might mean 30-story buildings. Doesn't mean that in Country Club. Uh, but we all have uh, a, a duty uh, to make sure that we have fewer people sleeping in tents on our street um, and, uh, and people staying in homes. And, uh, and I would much rather, we can only judge on the five criteria, the end of the day, I'd much rather have someone in an ADU than in a tent on our street. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. I just wanted to say thank you to the speakers. Um, thank you for addressing some of the public comments that were made um, in this application. I've heard that in Northwest Denver. Um, and I agree that we have to vote on the five criteria. But I also have to say that just because you're building at 834 square foot, um, maybe what you'll want to do with it is maybe you'll want to rent it. Maybe you want your mom to live there. Maybe you want your family. It does not equal sexual predators, drug trafficking, and it does not also take away from the neighborhood. Those are very um, sharp words to use into public comment when somebody is trying to build 834 square feet addition. Anybody in Denver could actually build, if you have the open space, an addition of 834 square feet. You don't have to go in front of a board and ask for permission. You don't have to go through a lengthy nine month process. You don't have to do public outreach and you can easily um, build 834 square feet. So I just wanna say thank you to the applicant for bringing this forward. Although I could not imagine getting some of these public comments and having to have know that this is how your neighbors feel about building 834 square feet in your backyard when actually it's proven that the more eyes you have in the backyard and the more visibility you have, the less um, egregious behaviors that a neighborhood has. So with that, I'll be voting on that and just want to say thank you to the applicant and thank you to the public comment um, that brought these, these comments to my attention because this is not um, based in data. It's, it's really fearful 
and um, just it's concerning to have so many public comments. I've never seen an accessory dwelling unit have these type of public comments. So I just hope my encourage all my colleagues to vote in favor of this. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. President. Thank you. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call please on Bill 24-0012. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Alvidrez. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gilmore. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Watson. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 24-0012 has passed. Thank you very much, Will. Uh, Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put Council Bill 23-1569 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 1569 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 1569 is open. May we have the staff report? Hi, friend. Good members of City Council. My name is Champignac Yen, and the Community Planning and Development. And today I'm here to present a legislative rezoning request for 22 park properties to be rezoned from multiple zone districts into open space OSA zone district. Let's start with the request. This is a request that comes from the Executive Director of Community Planning and Development on behalf of Park of Parks and Recreation to rezone 22 properties to open space zone district. Rezoning these properties to OSA will bring them into an appropriate zone district to allow them to be preserved, developed, or improved as parks, open space, recreational spaces, and park maintenance uses. Now let's take a look at where are these parks and what is the context. As you can see in this slide, um, the sites are spread all over the city. We're looking at 22 properties in nine of the 11 districts and in 15 different statistical neighborhoods. In this list, you can see the name of each park and their current zoning. Half the properties on this list retain zoning from former chapter 59, which includes some old PUDs. The other half are a combination of residential, mixed use, and other open space zoning like OSB and OSC. Now looking at the viewplanes, three of the pro properties included in this rezoning are impacted by viewplanes. Viewplanes are ordinances that dictate the maximum possible building height allowed in a specific area to protect certain views. The table in this slide details the specific maximum height allowed for properties that are part of this rezoning. Any future development of this, on these properties would have to be subject to the maximum height dictated by the relevant viewplane. Now looking at the landmark districts, while none of the rezoning sites is located in a historic district, the Four Mile Historic Park, which is one of the properties including this rezoning, includes the Four Mile House, which is a city designated landmark structure. All demolition or new construction within the landmark designation boundary will require review and approval by the Landmark Preservation Commission to ensure changes are compatible with the character of the historic designation. As you can imagine, there is a wide range of existing land uses on these properties included within the rezoning. While many of the properties already have an open space related land use, some of the properties currently have other uses and are either adjacent to existing parks and will be used for expansions or have been identified as future open space uses. 
There is also a variety of existing building forms and scales on the properties included within the rezone. While many of the properties are undeveloped open space, some of the properties currently have park-related buildings such as maintenance facilities. For the purposes of this presentation, I randomly picked a few of the parks to show you their land use, current zoning, and context. But of course, you can find the detail for each park on the staff report, which includes a complete appendix where each park has a whole page showing context, land use, and current zone. Now let's take a quick look at the process. Informational notice of this application was sent out on July 20th. Planning board held an informational item meeting on September 20th, and then a public hearing on October 18th, where the board voters voted unanimously to recommend approval on the rezoning of this rezoning to city council. As a date of this staff report, staff received one letter of support and one letter of opposition for the rezoning. The letter of opposition was received from a neighboring property owner of the Four Mile Historic Park. The letter expresses concern with the requested zoning could lead to other undesirable aesthetics at the park. Temporary events and fences are allowed at this park under the existing and under the proposed zone district, so nothing is going to really change. Staff also received a couple of emails asking questions on the rezoning, and they were all answered promptly. Now looking at the review criteria, for a legislative rezoning to be approved by City Council, it must be found that the requested map amendment is consistent with three review criteria found on the Denver Zoning Code. Our role as staff planners is to evaluate the requested district, in this case the OSA, against these three criteria. The first criteria is that the rezoning request must be consistent with ad adopted plans. There are 14 adopted plans that apply to a requested rezoning. We have Comprehensive Plan 2040, Blueprint Denver, Game Plan for a Healthy City, and 11 other small area plans. And don't worry, we're not going to go over the 11 plans. <laughs> it's okay. But let's start um, with Blueprint Denver. The proposed rezoning includes properties that are within the suburban, urban edge, urban, general urban, urban center, and district's neighborhood context. Parks are not only appropriate, but are also aspirational in all neighborhood contexts. Therefore, the proposed rezoning is consistent with all neighborhood contact destination. Blueprint Denver defines the site within the proposed rezoning as a variety of future places. The OSA zone district is appropriate in all future places. As described in Blueprint Denver, the growth strategy is intended to strengthen our existing neighborhoods through careful, carefully planned infield development. As the city experiences increasing population, it also, it will also see an increase in the need for parks and open space. Preserving existing parks and facilitating the development of new parks is critical to supporting Denver's growth strategy. Now we'll take a quick look at the equity analysis. Blueprint Denver contains three equity concepts that, that help guide change to benefit everyone. Each equity concept has associated measurements that help inform implementation actions through large rezoning along with other implementation actions. Improving access to opportunity includes several met metrics, including the proximity to an amenity, including parks, the affordability of the amenity, and the safety and ease of access to that amenity. Therefore, preserving existing parks and facilitating the development of new parks supports this equity concept, and in some cases, improve the metric for some locations. 
Reducing vulnerability to displacement focuses on stabilizing residents and businesses who are vulnerable to involuntary displacement due to increasing property values and rents. Measures include characteristics of housing stock and the people living in a particular area. While this rezoning is not expected to impact any of these measures, potential impacts will be studied and mitigated as part of a citywide public in investments. Expanding housing and jobs diversity is measured through metrics based on characteristics of housing stock and job diversity and types. Expanding the park system necessitates more employees to, for park maintenance. New properties are included in this rezoning that will be owned and maintained by Denver Parks and Recreation in the future and might create additional local job expansion for ongoing and seasonal maintenance work. Furthermore, Blueprint Denver is structured around the concept of complete neighborhoods. One of the three elements of a complete neighborhood is quality of life infrastructure, which refers to the places, trees, plants, waterways, parks, and outdoor spaces that stitch together our communities and contribute to the health, needs, comfort, environmental resilience, and social connectedness of Denver. The first policy under quality of life infrastructure is to expand tools and regulations to ensure high quality parks and outdoor public spaces keep pace with Denver's growth. The proposed rezoning aims to rezone existing parks or areas that are intended to become parks to align with the current and future use. This not only reinforces existing parks should remain parks in the future, but it also facilitates development of new parks in locations where city policy and community input have determined they're appropriate and needed. Game plan for the healthy city is an adopted supplement to Comprehensive Plan 2040 and part of a larger coordinated planning effort that includes the development of Blueprint Denver. Game plan for a healthy city provides both a vision and a strategic roadmap for the future of Denver's parks, hundreds of facilities and recreation programs, and 20,000 acres of park landscapes. Rezoning to allow for a recreational center and more park space is consistent with the plan's recommendations, which are essentially, which are essential to Blueprint Denver vision for a city where every neighborhood is complete. The proposed rezoning includes properties that are included in 11 adopted small area plans or NPI plans. While the specific language varies across these area plans, they are all consistent with the citywide policy that parks are a critical part of all neighborhoods and that they are appropriate across the city. Moving on to criteria two and three, staff also finds that the requested rezoning meets the next two criteria. The rezoning will resolve in uniformity of district regulations, and it will also improve public health, safety, and general welfare by preserving current parks and facilitating the creation of more public park space. The proposed rezoning will allow the city to continue to add parks and recreation facilities, which are shown to improve health in several ways. For example, access to park and recreation facilities has been shown to increase physical activity. The closer people live to a park and the safer they feel in the park, they're more likely to walk or bike to those places and utilize the park for physical activities. With that, staff does recommend that City Council approve the rezoning request based on finding that all the review criteria has been met. And we have someone, we have Owen here from Parks, if you have any questions. Great, thank you, Fran. Uh, we have one person signed up for public comment. Uh, we'll go to Zoom for Jesse Paris. Jesse, go ahead and unmute your mic. 
Yes. Good evening, members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jessica LaShawn Paris, and I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the Northeast Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced, the Revolutionary Agenda. And I reside in District 8 in Chantel Lewis's District of District 8 at the Roach, Bedbug, and Mice Infested Fusion Studios. Um, I'm all for parks. I mean, I don't honestly think that we have a shortage of parks in the city. We have a lot of parks per capita compared to other cities. I don't think we have a shortage in parks. Where we have a shortage is in it's attainable and affordable housing. So I don't see how this rezoning is going to help with any of that. But as far as the parks, um, I'm in support of this for the simple fact that we need these parks for people to have, you know, places to have fun, leisure, and play. The thing is, a lot of these parks, they have curfews that don't allow people that are unhoused, unhoused neighbors, my term, um, to be in these parks for long periods of time, which is a very uh, disservice, if you ask me. I mean, the park should be open to any anybody, but it seems that y'all have... Uh, certain criteria on that, that you base um, people's presence in the parks off of. Having been unhoused myself, I've been displaced from many parks um, in the 78 neighborhoods of Denver. So I live like right up the street from a park and there are people that are camping there and they get swept quite regularly um, for living in their RVs or living in tents. Um, but they also, need access to parks so if you're going to pass this that y'all need to be working adamantly to repeal the urban camping ban which makes it illegal for you to survive on the streets of denver you could be ticketed harassed or harassed just for covering yourself with a tent a tarp a sleeping bag anything besides your own clothing is deemed illegal in the city and county of denver and that includes the parks that's all i have to say on this thank you and y'all have a good night thank you very much um that concludes our speakers. Are there any questions from council members? We'll start with Councilwoman Parity. Yeah, and I think this is just a, uh, kind of one of these new member questions seven months in. Um, the sequence of how we uh, create parks, we we dedicate the land and then we rezone or vice versa. And the reason I'm asking is because I've had some curiosity around whether um, city land that we own that we know is ultimately going to become a park could ever be an option um, for shelter if it was necessary. Um, so it's not a if you don't have the answer off the top, I can follow up with others about it. But that's um, that's the curiosity that I have. Thank you. Thank you so much. Did we did we you, did you need an answer on that today, Councilwoman? Um, up to Fran. Thank you, Council President. I don't know, like I, I can ask Owen on the dedication, but uh, as far as I know, not all the parks are dedicated. I think that most of the one in the rezoning are, um, but I think that they, they're not, they don't need to be dedicated to be rezoned. That's... That answers it perfectly. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Councilman Hines. Thank you, Council President. Um, what, what are we solving? Uh, what's the... Uh, I mean, I understand uh, we want our parks to have a similar zoning type, but are we keeping Carla Madison from operating, being at the fullest possible park it can be by being CMSH? So in that case, no. 
Um, but in some cases, yes, because uh, we have cases, for example, where a park could be could be zoned currently STUB. Um, so it has to follow the rules of STUB. And then if you need to build um, a community center or if you needed to build a pool, like you need, uh, you need to follow the setbacks and all the rules and regulations for the district that it has right now. Um, so we run into a few issues with a few of the parks. Well, not we, we did, um, where they came to permit the park and they were running into issues with the setbacks and with like different, so it just, it, they were rezoning some of these parks to uh, get past the permitting process. And we figured it's a good idea to kind of like clean up. So if we have a park, it's better that it's on its park. So this is not a one-off. You're gonna keep seeing more batches of this coming up because we're looking at like cleaning up and having all the park properties be actually rezoned uh, to the proper OSA district. Okay, and, uh, and so it was like, for example, Carla Madison in particular didn't have any particular or it didn't have any zoning issues or permitting issues, uh, but since we're at it, we might as well add Carla Madison yeah, to the and list. With, and the same with like getting rid of like chapter 59 and we have some uh, parks that were OSP, so privately owned and now they're city owned. So we're like getting them in the right, kind of, it's like a big cleanup to get everything in the, the right, the correct zone. And so at some point we may do something as well be with Bannock uh, between 14th and Colfax, which has been dedicated, it's vacated from uh, Dottie and given to parks. Um, so. I think so, and can you introduce yourself? Yep. Well? Owen Wells, District Planning Supervisor, Denver Parks and Rec. Yeah, we're gonna see more of those, right? As the system grows, we're acquiring land in a variety of different ways, right? Sometimes we're coming to you asking for a purchase. Um, Bannock is kind of a unique situation, but then we kind of run into this administrative annoyance or, or wrinkle that we're gonna to need to come back and put the right zone on it uh, at some point. Yeah, and the, well, I, not relevant to this uh, particular, I actually have more questions about the Bannock um, dedication, but that's not relevant to this particular conversation. So I'm, I'm finished. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, Fran. I really appreciate the ton of work and the time that's gone into this. It seems like it's gone on forever. I thought this had already passed. It's been out hanging out there so long. Uh, and just to elaborate on, on some of the circumstances, four of the 22 parks are in my district, including one right behind my house, a neighborhood park that is R1, single family house. I don't think we're gonna build single family homes on city park a PUD for the auto dealerships where we also have tennis courts and uh, an OSB, private open space, that actually is a parcel along Bear Creek that was donated to the city by the Duke family, which used to farm in Bear Valley and used to own the, the uh, agriculture that was there. Uh, so my question is after taking inquiries from people in my neighborhood, like what are these big yellow signs what are we doing to our parks? Are we gonna build stuff in our, are we selling off our parks? My question is, can someone from CPD go out tomorrow immediately and remove all those signs from all 22 parks so I don't have to hear these questions anymore? Sorry, if you're saying anything, we need you at the mic. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we are aware of our obligations to remove those signs and go, Perfect. go back Perfect. up. And my way home, I might pluck the one out behind my house too. 
Can I Thank you, Madam President. That's all. And Councilman Flynn, I have like most of the questions were about that. That's why it took so long because we tried to be very specific on the wording that we put in the signs so that people, because people thought it was the opposite, that we were taking away parks. Mm -hmm. So we tried to make very clear that it was rezoning into parks. It was very thorough. And the <laughs> mailings of the postcards that went out uh, also caused a lot of questions like you know, what's happening here. And it, it's kind of hard to imagine it takes this long to actually zone a park as a park. Thank you. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on Bill 23-1569. Seeing none, Madam Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 1569. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Alvitras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez, uh, sorry, Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. W Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1569 has passed. Thank you very much. On Monday, March 18th, Council will hold a required public hearing on Council Bill 24-00 the zoning classification for 548 South Perry in Westwood. A required public hearing on Council Bill 24-0088, changing the zoning classification for 4675 East Iliff Avenue in U, U Hills. Uh, and a required public hearing on Council Bill 24-0091, changing the zoning classification for 3446 South Peyton Way in Harvey, Harvey Park South. Any protests against Council Bills 44, 88, or 91 must be filed with the council office no later than noon on Monday, March 11th. There being no further business before this body, this meeting's adjourned.